to the Oyster Stew podcast, where we discuss what's happening in the industry based on what we see as we work with regulators and clients. Oyster consultants are industry practitioners. We aren't career consultants. We've done your job and we know the issues you face. You can learn more about Oyster Consulting and the value we can add to your firm by going to our website, oysterllc.com. Hi, my name is David Williams, and welcome to our Oyster Stew podcast. With me today are Jim Roth, Jay Donlin, and Dave Osborne. Let's segue into the important conversation, the important discussion of economics and hopefully profitability. So when you think about the most important financial part of an introducing firm's business, it's got to be the clearing relationship. And I think we agree a firm should absolutely be aware of the status of their clearing contract. Question to the panel, when when should you start thinking about your clearing contract? Is it within a couple of years of its expiration, sooner than that, later than that? What should be the beginning point of discussing your clearing contract? Well, Dave, this is this is Dave. I would argue that you should always be thinking about your clearing contract. Things, environment changes, your business mix changes, your your reps change, clients change. I think certainly a couple of years out from the expiration or the renewal, the auto renewal in most cases is when when you should really start having some, some in depth and meaningful conversations with your clearing firm around what what are the next steps, what are your strategic what are your strategic goals, and how do they align with the with the goals of your clearing firm? Should you find that those two things don't mix, maybe it's time to look at alternatives and to see what's out there from a from a marketplace. Yeah, Dave, I'll kind of dovetail into that as well. It kind of depends, uh, David. If your business has significantly changed, if you've acquired a large practice, that sort of thing, the economics can change quickly in the business. And so you definitely want to always be on point to look at your, your clearing firm contract, which is to Dave's point. But in general, you want to start about 18 months out probably from when your renewal is just to make sure that you're kind of always looking at that contract. In general, that's your largest relationship as a introducing firm. And it's something that a lot of people neglect. Uh, David, you and I have seen contracts that hadn't been negotiated in 20 years. We've been involved in recent projects where a firm has had the same clearing contract for over 20 years. And the clearing firm, of course, is not going to be proactive if you're willing to just sit back and let things renew um, from rates from 20 years ago, which is definitely not the most financial benefit for the firm, the, the introducing firm. Good points. I guess when I'm thinking about a clearing contract, uh, we usually think about today. We think about what the environment is today, what's the business of today. Things are changing. Regulations are causing lots of traditional revenue sharing arrangements with broker-dealers. Basis points are certainly becoming popular. How should a firm be thinking about those types of evolving items so they can construct a contract that's not only good today, but good five years from today. Give you an example of the last three years. And here is a real life example that we had this morning is they have decided to give up certain revenues because of the regulatory environment. They believe the regulators are going to second guess as far as mutual fund transaction fee revenues that they said, I don't want a part of it. And yet, now, in the future, we're reminding them to don't forget about those revenues that you decided to forego. 
So I only use that as an example because three years ago, that's what happened then. Who knows what's going to happen three years from now? So it's difficult to answer, I thought, that question, Dave, only because there might be other revenues that they're going to say and say, I don't want to receive anymore. But what we're proposing is to remind people to don't forget those prior decisions because they could help you in the future. And that's where I was going with with the question. It was the world today is going to be different than the world three years from today. And if you're going to forego revenues because of regulations, you've got to get credit for that in another part of your contract. And are you seeing different types of financial arrangements that you haven't seen before? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing some very creative arrangements from uh, clearing firms. And it's a direct result of kind of these shifts in the marketplace, things that we would never have thought in, in the past. It's kind of intriguing some of the things they come up with. And it's directly related to the strategy of the firms. The strategy of the firm out lays out to the clearing firm and the clearing firm responds with pretty creative economics. Like we said, with the regulatory environment and, and firms trying to reduce conflicts and walk away from certain things, that's part of the conversation with the clearing firm is this economic model shifting. In some cases, it could be in your favor. And so let's figure out how to structure our economic model with you to offset some of those benefits that you may be retaining as a result of this renegotiation. Sounds good. So let's finish up with succession planning. Many firms are multi-generational and many lifetimes have been spent creating a very valuable asset. What should you be thinking about in today's environment where you're seeing lots of consolidation, you're seeing firms merge with each other, you're seeing firms actually uh, being acquired by other firms? Is that something that you should be thinking about in the world today? Hey, Dave, absolutely yes. You know, reflect back last year. You saw the deals between Schwab, the acquisition of TD. You saw Morgan Stanley E-Trade, LPL's involvement with M&T, BMO Harris, Waddell and Reed, and most recently, Cetera's partnership with Voya, all to name a few. But Dave, I think we're going to continue to see more industry consolidation on, on a global scale, and it's driven by the factors that we already talked about the negative interest rates, the margin compression, the increased competition, and don't forget the higher advisor compensation expenses that are aligned to it. So what some firms I think we've seen is that they have to sell in order to survive. And I think many of those firms are trying to upgrade their tech stacks before selling to get a better evaluation. So as we previously shared, I think there's more interest in the RA space the independent broker-dealer space. And one area that I think is also to keep an eye on is the defined contribution plan, the record keepers. I think those are all going to be acquisition targets going forward in the future. Yeah, Jim, we've seen, just as everybody else sees in the industry, a lot of these owners of these private firms are you know, in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s, um, some even older than that. And th- they need to be thinking about a succession plan if their uh, children or if their partners aren't willing to kind of have that in place. They need to think about what's next, not just what's next in the event that they uh, decide to sell, but what's next if a tragedy happens, you know, and and uh, and so it's almost a business continuity play as well. 
you know, you need to have a plan. You need to have a, a succession kind of route to land the firm in the event that you pass away or uh, are disabled. And so it's, it's kind of an important conversation to have with your firm and with your family to make sure that you do have a plan. You know, there's other alternatives besides selling. Should firms be at least aware of other models that don't necessarily mean that you have to sell the firm, but possibly look at a different business model? Yeah, there's definitely multiple options out there on the street. A lot of the larger firms have multiple ways that you could do business with them, whether it be a hybrid RIA, whether it be independent, traditional independent channel, whether it be a private client group and a succession plan later on for the private client group type branch. So there are definitely multiple ways that you could affiliate whereby you're not a broker dealer anymore. So I think you probably need to take a look at your broker dealer and ask that question, do I even need to be a broker dealer now? There were various reasons you needed to be a broker dealer in the past, but a lot of those are kind of obsolete and you can get the same access to various services and maintain a certain level of control by going to one of these other models at one of these larger firms and then have a natural succession plan within that process. One last thought. At Oyster, one of the things we do is help firms with succession planning. When you think about the many years ownership has spent building your firm, you have created an important asset. Have you thought about how you will realize the value of your firm, how you will monetize it? At Oyster, we can help you understand the many alternatives you have as you prepare for succession. So I think we all agree that a broker-dealer's owner's awareness of the marketplace is, is always something that they should be thinking about. I think we all agree that taking full advantage of all the great capabilities of the clearing relationship is extremely important because at the end of the day, it's very important to a broker-dealer to, number one, serve their clients the best they can and give their advisors the best platform to do that. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And thanks to Jim, Jay, and Dave for giving us your thoughts. If you'd like more information, you can call Oyster at 804-965-5400 or visit our website at www.oysterllc.com. like what you heard, make sure to follow the Oyster Stew podcast on whatever platform you listen to. If you'd like to learn how we can help firms start, run, protect, and grow their business, visit our website at oysterllc.com.